Cooperation. We could have unify, relieve the frustration. Instead, them want to ride up on them bread about no tears, no cares. If him evil did stop our job, nobody want to plant the can. Everybody want to read the band. Who you are going to blame it on when he's a next man? You are the pen pan. Well, you wrong. Nobody want to plant the can. Everybody want to read the band. You're happy sing your own a song, can't compete with Kelly's Jan. I feel pleased when I take a little ease from a long day of work. A sense of achieving to know I'm contributing, doing my part too. This is my comfort. I know there is a reward for every trying man who walk this land with an intention to do good for himself and every man. Just a meditation. Nobody wants to plant the can. Everybody wants to. Yes, 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 yes. This is the Black Russian Podcast, episode 20. I am your black side host, Tion Buku One. And I'm Yola. The other one. The other one. The lighter shade of brown. Not even close. Where's the brown? The lighter shade of the lighter shade of the lighter shade of brown? Yeah. Pretty light. All right. Cool. So we are on episode 20. That's fun. Yeah. Who would have thought? I know. We just kept going and now we're here. And so thinking back, episode, we do it in like phases like Marvel. This is like phase one ended kind of lumpy. Um, but we made it through. If you've ever heard episode ten, it's a it's a it's a different tone, but it's really really good because it's very very open and what vulnerable was, and honest. What was ten? That was that was the the fallout after you lose okay Cubans. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's cool, and then we got through that into the next level, and it's really it's almost like the podcast doubles as. Um, you know, creating a space and ponderings out loud for you guys, but also journaling where we are, where we've gone, what we've gone through in real time, because this is our lives. We're talking from first person, not broad stroking. We try to talk about things and apply it how we do and the things we've been through, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the myths. So we are here, end of phase two, I guess you could say, going into phase three. And um, our last episode of phase two was the evolution of marriage. But before we go into that, I'd like to say this, like we say every single time, no relationship style is more divine than any other. We don't advocate open because that's what we do. We don't think it's more or less divine than monogamy or any other style. 
It's the quality of the work that is put in between the two people and within themselves that will determine the good relationship. There's bad relationships and monogamous. There's great ones and monogamous. There's bad ones and open and poly. And there's good ones and open and poly and so on and so forth. So let's get past the labels and define ourselves by the merits. And we will go like that. So can I be defiant and ask that we don't call it... uh that we define what we call open. Yeah, we did that in the last episode. But right. you want to reiterate that? Well, yeah, because monogamous can be open. Yes, okay. So, okay, this is what, yes, right. We talked about this. So instead of using open or monogamous, can as, we just as say monogamous or non monogamous? Well, let's just say open relationship where there's yeah. open communication, open heart, open dialogue, yep. or closed relationship where you have closed dialogue enclosed heart where you don't communicate because both monogamy and open style or monogamy and non-monogamous can be closed and unhealthy and they both can be open and very healthy yep so so we'll try to get into that monogamy non-monogamy so it's taking us 20 episodes to get to finally to get to good definitions yes you got to get through it you got to learn evolve them um labels take us some weird directions as we know yeah and then you know the word open um, it defi- like you know I saw a question on uh, open relationships group you know what do you think or what comes to mind uh, when we say open relationships and they were all directly related to being able to have sex with multiple people and I don't agree at all like at all I don't think that's a good definition I think that's a good non-monogamous definition. I don't think it's a good open definition, but, you know, the word open got associated with that uh, multiple sexual partners thing and has a very negative connotation. Right. And I think, you know, I I would like to work hard on changing that. Yeah, and we will on this podcast, we'll help each other do so. Um, and we'll get into part of that later in this episode but where we talk about um american culture is is a very culture let me rephrase that my brain is because you're watching football no it's not i was looking here the american culture is a very either or type society it's either hot or cold it's either titillation or condemnation it's either love or hate the nuance is really lost in our in our society so we're gonna work really hard to add that nuance um, and detail. Nothing is really all or none. So let's, we'll get past that. But first, let's get into our quotes and then we'll get all into this stuff. So I will go first because Eula is still fiddling with her diddle. And mine are about communication. Communication is key. Two people can be in the same relationship and yet see it in two different ways. So the assumption that because we both like each other, we agree to this relationship, um, that we see it exactly the same way is part of the beginning of the issues that we have. Second one, loneliness does not come from being alone, but comes from being unable to communicate the things that seem important to you. And that's what we always try to talk about in this podcast too, is like how much of ourselves and our internal dialogue can we share, do we feel comfortable sharing with our closest people, our wives, our husbands, our boyfriends, our girlfriends? Um, and why not? The third one, 
To effectively communicate, we must realize that we are all different in the way we perceive the world and use this understanding as a guide to our communication with others. We have to have that broad understanding that all of us see our own perception of reality that is mixed with our own things we've learned, things we've been taught, fears, traumas, angles, and everybody has their own perception of the same reality. That's hard. I have a hard time with that. Yes. All right, my turn. All right, I tried to tie my quotes to, uh, to what the episode will be about, so here we go. We want instant lunch, instant cure, instant miracles, instant salary, instant success, instant everything. This instant civilization we have obsessed with have made us grow a tad too impatient in virtually everything about life. And of course, that doesn't serve us so well. Uh, each step may seem to take forever, but no matter how uninspired you feel, continue to follow your practice schedule precisely and consistently. This is how we can use our greatest enemy, habit, against itself. So that goes instant gratification versus actually creating a habit. Guess what's easier? And then this one's just always there. When many demons are, when many demons are struggling inside you, the one that you feed is the one that will become the strongest. You alone are responsible for what you feed. Judge. Those are your three? I'll go on a little okay. rant later, and okay. it's going to tie all into this. Cool. And so the first song that we played, I'm trying to get better at naming these songs in case some of you guys are new to the era of reggae, because that's a big part of our undertone vibration. That was Anthony B., and the song is called Raid the Bon, or Raid the Barn, if the non-patois understanding folks. Um, but it talks about what you're talking about. The chorus goes, nice. nobody wants to plant the corn, but everybody wants to raid the barn. Mm-hmm. So everybody wants to sow, but they don't want to reap. I mean, everyone wants to reap, but don't want to sow. So perhaps I should just get my feisty ass out there and There you go. Turn go around, <laughs> move, move the mouth, put the ass up against the mic, and let her flap. I don't think that's going to be very successful. This is too high for me. Like That's way too high. High as in what? As in sound. Like it's loud. It's not that loud. It's pretty loud. It's not that loud. All right. I don't want to hear complaints. I will be shocked if there's ever a time when someone says, you lose too loud. It doesn't really happen. All right. Okay. Well, we'll try. So my rant, it kind of built up over the last few days. And, you know, as usual, those things happen all in one day. Um... We really don't like putting work into change. We really want to like read a book, go to a place that tells us what to do, and see how things change. Oh, I want to feel more like this. I want to feel more connected to myself. Oh, hmm, who can I ask which book should I read? As if you read a book, and it's going to make you change. Right. Or, hmm, I'm feeling this way. I have whatever, whatever health issue. Let me take a pill. 
regardless of how that pill is going to make you feel long term. Right, or what it does to you. Or what it does to you. Like this whole culture of instant gratification is insane. Yeah. And it's it's great for uh, capitalism, like consumerism. Yeah. Buy more pills, read more books. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't really last. Not for your internal. Yeah, I mean, the, the gratification doesn't last because you go back to feeling that same way. You need you need another fix. Right. And it goes with the whole thin slicing of the culture. Yeah. Yeah, it's like attaining knowledge but not applying it. And so, like they say, with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, getting the information is the knowledge. Putting it to work and seeing what it takes to go through that is the wisdom. That's where the wisdom is attained. Yeah, and then the you... hold on. And then the understanding is the summation of it all from learning it, applying it, and working it through. Like for example, you know, you go you go to pick up a book because you want to learn how to work on your car because your car is broken. So you read the book, and the book shows you and tells you exactly how to do it, but you still gotta go do it. You got to go put down the book and go pick up the wrenches and go get under the car and go get the bolts and the pieces and put them together and struggle with it and then go back to the book and refer and then go back to the car to the whole process. Just by reading the book doesn't go, oh, my car is fixed now because I've read the book. Yeah. You actually have to go apply the information. Um, and a lot of people, including myself at times, um, can get overly caught up in just attaining the knowledge and not remembering that the knowledge is nothing but another tool or hammer. If you don't apply it to what you're trying to build, it just sits there. Well, not even attaining the knowledge. I'm talking about even like a lower level, not even attaining the knowledge, but somehow getting the result you want without even attaining the knowledge. Right. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. that's even, you know, I mean... Materially, that's easy. You go and pay someone, they'll fix your car. You'll never have to know how to do it. Right. We all do it. That one is, you know, a matter of convenience. And I get, you know, I mean, that one makes sense. But then doing it in the areas of our health. Right. You know, and, you know, we know if something's wrong, it's a long-term, like, fix if you want to fix it for good, if you need to lose 50 pounds, if you need to change your lifestyle, right. it's really, really, really hard to do. But then there's this whole other area of attaining, uh, you know, spiritual peace. Right, spiritual health. Spiritual health. That one's even more difficult because that's that's a lifelong work. Right. I don't know, like I'm... Uh, in my gratefuls, like for the last, I don't know, six months, one of the main ones is, uh, you know, for what I want to do is keep my own balance. And that one is a constant work. Yeah. There is no, oh, I found this balance and maybe I was able to write it for three days. And then the next day it, I'm completely off balance. Yeah. And then I find it and then an hour later it's lost again. Like, that's constant. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to get any easier. Yeah. It's going to, it's, it's every day, day in, day out, work. And for those of us who think that we can read a book 
or go to some yoga classes and be good or even <laughs> or even go join a Buddhist temple and have that whole thing taken care of that's just a load of bullshit it's not going to happen right it's i mean the thing is everything that we are trying to learn evolves and changes the landscape changes you master one thing and by the time you've got to that point where you think you've mastered the whole terrain and the equations changed yeah. there's nothing that we are living in breathing eating walking talking is that stagnant that static everything is changing everything is evolving we're changing um so it's like you're saying everything takes maintenance you have to check in and be present because your health changes, your mind state changes, your mood changes, other people's moods changes, yeah. um, your dietary needs change, all these things. And yeah, and the same thing that you were cool with yesterday, today you're not cool with because something else shifted and now you have to, you know, invest 15, 20 minutes of your day getting that little part fixed. So that's balanced. And then you have to go through your whole day and maybe encounter some crazy input from the outside world that makes you really angry. Mm -hmm. So that takes extra maintenance. But just to think that you can, you know, attain inner peace by some miracle or a book or somebody else's wisdom, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And that, like, that part really pisses me off when people think that, you know, hey, let me... Like, you know, what book should I read? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot out there. There's a lot of books. You know, there's a lot of books. But what type of food are you trying to eat? Yeah. What is your goal? Yeah. But either, And how committed either, are you to right. doing this day in and day out? And, you know, when you're down, are you going to try and stay with it? Right. You know, or are we only doing this because you feel up now and you think you're going to do it? Right. And then, you know, that's... I mean, it, there's a different variations of it, right. and it kind of all manifested this week through different people uh, in different areas, and I just started thinking about it. There's a lot of it. The whole yeah. millennial culture is insane. The whole thin slicing of everything, I'll take a little piece of here, you know, I'll go meditate one day, right. and then the next day I'm going to go do some yoga, and then I'm going to go and book, dig for some records to bring home to put on my turntable. Right. And it's just, it's just freaking <laughs> insane. Right. Yeah, no, it's pretty, it's, we're talking about the dichotomies and stuff where it's like, you know, I'm going to go to the Buddhist temple each right. week and denounce all my material belongings. And once I leave there, I'm going to go get lattes with my girlfriend and then we're going to go out and dress up in our fly gear and get drinks. And then maybe Sunday we'll go shopping. Well, and blame my husband for not making enough money. That's the, you know, and right. we're not sitting like making fun of someone, but that's like a real life situation that we had to, you know, attempt to help someone through. Yeah. And that one is real. You know, when we think that we can go and uh, start meditating and start getting involved with some, you know, wiser culture and then we can start imposing that on other people, but we also don't want to give up our comforts. Right. Yeah. It's the thin, thin slicing culture is, is, you know, it's all right with pop, with pop culture, but when you're dealing with spirituality, um, life-altering habits and growth internally, it's a little bit tricky because, you know, 
Yeah, no, and you know, nothing that I have uh, achieved for myself has come easy. Like, oh. No one has done it for me. There's no pill, there's no book, you know. There's a book maybe that I started reading 10 years ago, it sounded this way, and then, you know, I read it now, and it's completely, I understand, and completely different because I had to put a ton of work into it, and I right. put it in day in and day out. Yeah, and it's and the crazy, and if we're not careful, um, we could end up living a lifestyle that we created for ourselves 15 years ago, even though we're 15 years removed from that. Like, we're different people, but we forgot to check in and, and do that, and, I, you know, and so... I try to work and make sure that I'm just kind of taking inventory of why I do what I do um, and see if it still suits me because we change. You know, three or four years ago, there were mentors, there were books that I was like into, into, songs that I were into, like super into. And now I don't even know, I don't even know where those things are. I'm, I'm into something else right now. Like, not that I don't, you know where not that I don't Malcolm value Gladwell this. You yeah, remember there, you know, that there's a heart. few things. But, yeah. um, but, you know, we just delve into different things. Doesn't mean we love or appreciate those things any less but it's just that was five years um behind versus where we are now on our path so um i really try to make sure that every now and then i take some time to kind of you know remove autopilot and just kind of look at it like why do i just get up and go do this and why do i do this and why do i eat these things um why do i hang out with these people why do i choose to um, do these things all benefit me still the way I, I, I they did when I said yes to them? Um, because well, like, you know, it, it's always moving. The targets yeah. are always moving. Well, and that's the story of our vows, right? Yep. It's so. gonna work while it's working, while it's beneficial. Yep. So we gotta stay engaged. You know, just like on a basketball team, just like on the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> back to the Warriors quotes. Um, they won a championship. Doesn't mean they're gonna win every year. Just because no. they won when they saw it's what it took. It's actually going to get harder. It'll get harder. And things change. Chemistry changes. People on your team, they get married. They have kids. They go through divorces. They get different physical ailments. They change their diet. New coaches. The coaches are going through health issues. So all these things are changing, which is totally adjusting the whole team chemistry. So everyone has to tune in and do the work and stay with their regimen and stay in communication because... These one little thing like that can change and change slightly the energy and it changes the whole dynamic. Not yeah. to mention the whole rest of the league is changing to adapt right. to things. Right. So yeah, you gotta stay, you gotta stay shaft. Shaft. Yeah, no, and then let's just do the work. Let's just put the work in and not look for shortcuts and not choose I want this but not that. Right. You know, I'm gonna I want to meet new people, but I'm not going to volunteer to right. help other people. Right. I mean, that, that's not cool. Yeah. That pisses me off. Got to put it out there if you want it to come back. For sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Ranty, ranty. That was kind so, of low okay. energy, but you got my hype mic so hot that I was It's not as hot get, as you think it is. I think it's super hot. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, so the last one we did was the evolution of marriage. And it came off of our Esther Perel um, experience. We went to see her live. And just how marriage has changed, how expectations of what it is and what it should be has changed. Um, and how communication hasn't unfortunately kept up. How, um, you know, the understanding of it hasn't been vocalized. So we just, 
accept things and then wonder why things don't work. And marriages of any strife take a lot of work if you want to still be able to make sure that that box fits both of you guys in it comfortably without, you know, silencing parts of who you are. I know a lot of my friends, as you know, who can't speak upon a lot of things that are very important to them, to their partners. And they are in a monogamous, closed marriage. Ta-da! Right. So both of those. Not saying monogamous as closed, but they're in a monogamous relationship that is closed, meaning they don't talk about any of these things that deal with so sensitive subjects. Yep. Um, and then it traps them and it makes them, it kind of dims the light a little bit. Well, it dims the light a lot. It's not mm -hmm. a little bit. If you can't, you know, if you're in a relationship and there's something that is grinding on you right. and it's, it's causing, you know, it, it, it's not making you happy. Right. And you cannot talk about it. There's only a few outcomes that I can foresee. Right. Suppression doesn't breed happiness, love, desire, um, empathy, or any of those things. So when you have to suppress it, you feel the structure that you've partially created um, is suppressing big parts of your vitality, your life. It's not going to lead to good things. And it's just, I would say the analogy of this, especially... Um, for example, in this monogamous closed relationship we're talking about, these few that we're talking about, it's like signing to exclusively only get food from one farm. And at first that may be supplying you with all the food that you need. And then down the road, it's not. But you cannot go get and supplement it, the food any other place. You just have to take what's given to you, even though it's not enough to nourish you. So you end up being malnourished. And you can't go anywhere. You know, that's one of those things. Right. So that kind of goes into, you know, I wanted to talk about relationship education, which is different from uh, relationship nutrition. Right. You know, we've talked a lot about relationship nutrition uh, and, you know, the help that we're uh, providing to uh, people out there in that area. But, you know... When we start talking to more couples and more people, it's in, you know, I've been dealing with our stepson who's in a relationship mess, uh, but hopefully coming out of it. Right. What's really clear is that relationship education is something that is so vital, but we don't get. Right. How would you describe relationship education as we go into it? Well, so we go to preschool and we're taught how to communicate with other kids. Right. And then we go to kindergarten and they start teaching us letters. Right. And then we go to first grade and they start teaching us how to read and how to add numbers together. Right. And that's how our education, formal education is structured. Right. Well, relationship education... How do you think, where do you think we get that? Right. It would be an equivalent of going to school to learn the basics and then to add to the basics and gradually become more and more sophisticated in this whole world that every single one of us at some point or another and usually the whole entire life are involved in. Right. But we get no 
formal education on it. Right. So where do most people, so then you start thinking, where do most people get their right. education from? And it's, <laughs> it's a makeshift hodgepodge mix well, of indirect information, perhaps drunk uncles, well, I mean, TV shows, the very first, the very basic is what we see as we're growing up. Right. It's exactly, it's literally, you know, we're born, we have some family, you know, maybe a set of parents, maybe one parent and maybe some other family around and we start observing and that's our basic foundation of relationship education. So we're observing. Right. And nobody thinks we're observing. Because, you know, we as parents, it's pretty hard to remember that what we do, it's what we do, it's not what we say. Right. That the kids notice everything. Yep. And they learn. And that's how we've learned. You know, that's how you learn. Right. And those are the basics. And then we start learning from our friends. Right. Yeah. Our friends and... And whatever they learned. Right. Through their foundations. Right. And then the added in this, in our society, you know, where I grew up, pop culture, songs, yeah, movies, yeah. TV shows. We see it with Deja. Yeah. So, I mean, all these, um, there's just a mess of information, good, bad, sideways. And we don't have the tools to understand what is good, what is bad, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. We just kind of absorb it all and it becomes this warped blob mix of that's what we know and that's how we act and we don't right and then you know and and then we have this notion that love is just supposed to happen right and when it happens we're gonna know exactly what to do we'll just know yeah we'll just know yeah we'll know how to do you know how to interact with the other person we'll know how to make the long lasting life commitment and how to stick to it and how to not get bored with it, and and we'll just know. Yeah, and we'll both we'll just know what each other means when yeah. they say "I love you" and you're the yeah. one. Yeah, and it's it's really fascinating to start looking into how you grew up, you know, how we grew up, and how, like, what's contributed to who I am, and what's contributed to my reactions to things. Why do I? like certain things why do certain things trigger me why do i get jealous about certain things but not the others right you know like why do i get mad at at some patterns but not the others and it's not going to a therapist office you know but it's literally just breaking it down because we can all trace a certain behavior back to where it came from right you know like i was always uh very cognizant of uh, this feel like I've always hated waiting for you to come back right you know like you can you'd be out and I'm waiting for you to come back I mean I still have to work on like not you know counting hours and stuff right but I was like when we first got together after a while I'm like whoa this feeling is so crazy like where did it come from and it made me feel like I used to feel when I was little and I was growing up, my dad was always gone and my mom was always upset about it, but wasn't upset about it vocally. It was this vibe in the house. Right. And it was extremely heavy. Ooh. I mean, it was, <laughs> my mom can lay some heavy vibe. Mm-hmm. And 
I would sit on this, like we had these super wide windowsills and I would sit on the windowsill in the evening looking out for my dad to come home and hoping that he comes home before the vibe gets really bad. Right. And nothing was ever said. Like I barely ever heard them argue behind the closed doors, but it's the vibe. Right. And I grew up with it and that's what I have. So, you know, it's... I. It's just there because that was, I didn't have a choice, but I had to live with it. Right. And I had to absorb it. And it you were came. soaking in it. Like yeah. You're basically, and that's, and that's it wasn't the thing my about choice. it, is we will soak in these vibes. And with that vibe, there was no clear understanding of what that vibe was coming from, what specifically it meant, and what you as a child were supposed to do with that vibe. Right. You know, and, and that's how most of us are affected. Like we watch. Yeah, I just you know, knew that I really, really wanted him to come home. Right. And that's exactly like, you know, when you're out and I'm at home, that's how I feel. Right. Yeah. And it's just amazing. Just, you know, as we get to s s sit where we are and start looking into ourselves and right. following the little ropes and figure out where the knots are, where it goes. Right. You know, because a lot of us and like, you know, with men, you know, myself, like. You know, I'm thinking, like, where did I learn about love, like, and sex and relationships? And I'm like, cousins, uncles, older dudes in the neighborhood. And I'm like, I don't think many of them were qualified to be deemed my mentor. And nor did half of them even think or want to be my mentor. But that's where I was learning. And so a lot of times I had to be like, wait, why do I do that? And I'll be like, I'll think in my head, well, I must have learned it from some night, some wise spot. And I go back, I'm like, oh, that was my Uncle Larry. And he was just drunk all the time. And he would say this all the time. And I was, you know, seven and I thought Larry was cool. So I just thought that's what it is. Because, you know, Larry's an adult. What he says must be, he knows more than me. Right. So, but I'm not thinking like, okay, well, he's got a, you know, a tall can of Schlitz malt liquor. You know, and he's not having the best relationships, but I would just... And so, he's 30. <laughs> yeah, and he's 30, and he might have been mad at his girl. I mean, who knows? Right. But I'm just... Oh, we're just absorbing these things. So it's very fascinating once we start um, taking inventory and be like, why do we feel the way we do in certain circumstances? A lot of us think it's just because the way we are. But very little of who we are is solely because of our education, pondering, meditation, connection, and we just decided that's that's what we've accepted after reviewing all of these things. A lot of what we call who we are is a collection of experiences and misinterpreted experiences and vibrations that have passed through us through other people. Right. So, you know, we bring all that to our relationships and then we want to build a long-term marriage or a long-term relationship. And, you know, then we're we're wondering why it doesn't work. Right. So, you know, at some point, hopefully before we get into anything uh, serious, it would be cool to stop and be like, okay, well, let me see what I know. Right. Let me figure out where it came from. Well, let me see if I need to change anything. Maybe I need some other knowledge some mentors, some people like Esther Perel that maybe has something cool that I can learn from before I get into this marriage. And instead of, you know, being 15 years deep and no longer communicating and no longer having sex and then discovering Esther Perel right. and then starting to listen to her and then the light bulb goes on, but... 
or it comes on, comes on. But comes then, on, goes on, bings on. But then you can't talk to your spouse about it because right. it's just not possible. Yeah, you've created So, yeah. like, it would be cool, you know, this whole situation with our stepson made me really understand how, you know, he basically got into a relationship way too deep, way too fast with a person that's not helpful to his future at all. And I'm like, damn, like, and I, I, I'm so helpless. I can't, there's nothing I can do about this. And you start, like, when you're that frustrated and hurt, you know, like, start looking back at where it all came from and it becomes so clear that, hey, this is a direct result of how he was raised. Right. And that part is just so big in our lives that we can totally make these decisions that, you know, hopefully he'll be out of it with not a lot of damage. But, I mean, yeah. it, it, damage can be huge. It's serious. So just think about this and have fun with this. All our listeners right now, think about who were your mentors that taught you about love and about sex? Like, really just trace it back. Like, where did you learn? Yeah. Who was teaching you directly and indirectly? What were you listening to, reading, um, all of these things? And then the shocker for all of us is before we even realized we were learning about these things, when we were too young to even be thinking about these things, we were learning things and they were being set in our roots of who we yeah, are. Like, for sure. Like things that we learned before we were six are affecting and help and influencing our decisions as grown adults in grown situations. Yeah. You know, we are reacting from these places and we don't even a lot of times realize it because we don't necessarily stop and actualize it. We think that's just, we are the way we are and we let this pride and machismo. Um, that's just how we are. And it's like, well, you know, like that's how you are today, but it's a sum of things that make us who we are. So think about it. Ask yourself that. Who is your mentors? Like, vision the pictures. Like, when I start thinking, I just see images of, like, right. you know, Winnie the Pooh, uh, Saturday Night Live, um, Eddie Murphy, Winnie the Pooh. What did Uncle Winnie Larry. The Pooh? What did you learn from Winnie the Pooh? You know, Uncle Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore, you know, just, <laughs> just obsession with honey, you know, just love what he loved and was just, life was all about it. Um, but just a weird collage of, like, yeah. you know, the facts of life on TV, different strokes. Uh, good times, and then, you know, 80s hip-hop, R&B, and soul, <laughs> and, like, Uncle Larry, and, you know, Aunt Leona, and Cousin Michelle. <laughs> it's just, like, thinking of these people, and then you click on them, and you just see their their life patterns and what they do, right. and like, you, they're great. I love them. Right, so then comes this realization that, you know, the people that we learn from or we're supposed to learn from or we look up to just because they're older than us don't always have what we want. Right. I, you know, I mean, I've actually vocalized it to uh, our stepson early on when he was 18 and having major issues with his stepdad who perhaps is not the person that you know, I would like to be, or, you know, he would like to be. And I told him, like, listen, he's an adult, so you have to be respectful to him. But if he doesn't have what you would like to have in life, and we're not talking about material things, 
you don't have to listen to his lectures right. telling you what to do, how to do it, because you're smart enough. You can see, does this person have, is, is that the person I want to model myself after? Right. Does he have any valuable attributes that I want to learn personally? Right. And if yes, then listen to that part. Right. If not at all, then just turn your headphones thanks. on no, and thanks, like, but no thanks. Yeah, just be and polite, but don't. You don't have to like honestly. You don't have to listen to them. Right. And and for for our communication and going in deep, um, and nuance. It's so we can go even more specific now because we have these tools. Um, we don't even need to broad stroke a whole human being and be like, do they have, are they who we should listen to? Because somebody like that person may have great financial advice and really horrible cultural advice. That doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to them whole, none of that. It means specifically know what we're looking for and who our mentors are for those specific things. That's why it's important to have many different mentors. And that's why we are all each other's mentors. We are all very interdependent. There are friends, all of us have superpowers and things we focused on that we're amazing at and shit we ain't even thought much about. Right. And that's why we are, you know, we thrive over interdependent society of mentors and students all interchangeably, you know, cause there are some musicians, for example, that I would look to for songwriting, for singing, for performance, that I would run from for Personally. personal yeah. life, relationships, yep. um, all of these things. And that's, a th I think with our society today, with all these Hollywood people being exposed as pedophiles and rapists and musicians and being in, you know, so many of these people, politicians and all these people, um, even ones who have done amazing things, have done really fucked up things. And our society is having a hard time because right. we're such an all or none. Yep. Like James Brown's either all good or all bad. We, if we love him to death, we can't even admit the fact that right. he was adulterous and he was horrible to a lot of his wives and he was a domestic violence abuser and he was an alcohol and drug abuser. We can't accept that if we love him. Yep. Or if we hate him, we can't even accept the fact that he's pioneered so much and did so much for so many people and revolutionized music yeah no i mean but it's you know it's a not it's because we don't you know we don't study philosophy anymore right. we don't learn those things but you know it's a known fact that bad people do great things and great people do bad things right. we all do that we're all on the spectrum we're a little bit of everything yeah um and so we're having the crisis that american society is having is like how do you emotionally detach from somebody that you've praised to be all perfect and all right? And now you see they've done horrible things. There's a part of you that wants to completely denounce them like they don't exist. There's a part of you, but like, but I still like that movie. Like, yeah. I like the movie. I like their acting ability. I like their, that. That doesn't mean if you like their acting that you that are co-signing right. their pedophilia and these things. It's just there's nuance. In, in humans, there's a little bit of everything. Yeah, and it's that process, you know, the process of learning or realizing that, you know, hey, my parents are not as godly as I thought they were. Right. You know, my dad has flaws right. that are pretty serious. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't love him anymore. Right. I mean, I probably love him more because I now understand that he's human. Right. You know, and it was funny because our oldest one just said, because she takes philosophy. Right. Um, she was reading, she sent me some uh, abstracts of what she was reading. 
and it was about uh, adolescents learning, realizing that adults are not perfect and seeing things for what they are. And that realization is pretty serious, you know, and it creates, that's the adolescent that I don't even know who, who the, uh, what the philosophy is, philosopher is. Uh, that is the basis for adolescent uh, revolt, that, you know, the people that are telling me what to do are not perfect. They have flaws, and I'm seeing them. And now I'm going to rebel against them. And she was, <laughs> she was really rebellious in middle school. So when she sent me that, I asked her if that sounded familiar. And she said, yes, astonishment, revolt, and disrespect. Mm -hmm. And that, those are the feelings. I mean, it was so cool to hear that so openly because, you know, this is what our kids go through. This is what we went through, you yeah. know, but like I didn't, I never vocalized that. Right. I knew yeah. that's what she was going through and I helped her through it. Luckily, you know, I didn't tell her to sit down and shut up, but that's what we all go through. Right. And so we got to listen to it. Yeah. And just accept nuance and let's get out of the fairy tale. So wrapping up this part about the mentor with the relationships, it's like, you know, look at who has what you want in a specific area that you want mm -hmm. and learn from that. And you don't have to take the whole biscuit. You don't have to take the whole thing, the whole meal. Um, so, Yes, ask yourself, who were your mentors? Like, who were you learning from? And now that you're conscious and an adult, who are your mentors in love and relationship? Do you have them? I didn't have them until not too long ago because right. I wasn't even thinking about it that way. But just like all of us need guidance, the best basketball right. players need coaches, the best physical athletes need training, the best spiritual leaders have guidance and seek guidance. To me, it's just such a shocking uh, you know, revelation that we go to school, we spend so much time being taught, you know, how to do math, how to write, right. the sciences, all of that, most of which no one uses, right. I should say. But the relationships, it's like, yeah, you're supposed to just get you it. You just have it. Yeah, you just have it. You're human, you'll figure it out or not. But, you know, it is what it is. You only have one life, you can fuck it up. Right. And so, so these, these relationship education and getting relationship tools, like to educate each other, first ourselves about who we are, what we like, how we work, how do we communicate this when we're happy? How do we communicate this when we're really mad and we go fuck some yeah. shit up if we don't say it right? Yeah. Um, so when we are building with the partner that we're thinking we want to build with, we can present them with uh, understanding of how we work so then hopefully if we're lucky they've done that same work they present theirs and then we see how we can integrate and then we create a collective key or syllabus of how are we going to talk about things when they're very difficult yeah. how do we talk when we're mad what are, our, what are our keys that help each other understand that now is not the time or this is the time um, how do we do that what do we do if it's totally not good for either of us? And 
what does this mean to you when you say you love me? When you say you want to be with me in a relationship, what does that mean? When you say you choose, you want it to be monogamous, what does that mean to you? What does monogamy mean? What does love mean? That's just too much thinking, Tian. This whole thing, you know, first we have to sit down and take inventory and figure out how we work. And then we have to figure out how we want our relationship to work. And then we have to go and talk to the other person. You know, it it would... It's so much easier to get together on the feeling and just just, like... just believe that it's all just going to work itself out until it doesn't and you're in disbelief that it didn't work out or you're mad. Um, it would be the same thing as like a basketball player coming out of college or coming out of high school. It's like, man, I'm ready to be like Steph Curry. I got the moves. I'm Kevin Durant. Whoop de whoop. I'm LeBron James. And it's like, all right. And the coach is like, okay, well, cool. Well, you're going to have to work every day. You're going to have to rest. You're going to have to diet. While people are out partying and doing that, you may have to some every now and then not party as much. And no matter how good you are, you're going to have to do these thousand free throws every day and a thousand this and that. And you're like, damn, that's a lot of work. And they're like, well, you want to be a champion? Well, yeah, but I mean, do I really? Can I just go to the basketball court and just shoot? When I feel like it. When I feel like <laughs> it. It's like, sure, as long as you understand, there's always a basketball court down the street. The, the accolade that you get for making the shot down the street is not going to be the accolades yeah. that you get making the winning shot in the game seven of the NBA finals. And so a lot of it is like, let's just all realize or just ask ourselves what type of relationship we want. Do we want one that's high grade where we could communicate, where we could talk about the most difficult shit, the easiest stuff. If we change, we can talk about that. If we can be like, you know what? Four years ago, I said this relationship was good for me like this, but now it's not really working. I love you the same, but I don't like our structure. Do you want that type of relationship or do you want one that's like, I love you, you love me. Let's just not talk about things like that. Right. But let's be honest about that. If you're not, you know, let's be open. Let's be open about that. If you want the ready bond, you must plant the corn. Or just eat what the fuck's laying around. Yeah, exactly. you want, do you want relationship scraps or do you want a fucking farm of good ital treats? <laughs> you must ask yourself that question and don't be surprised if you didn't do work and the relationship didn't come out as you expected. Not to say you can't have a relationship where you don't do work and it works out great. You can roll the dice. Sometimes we all get lucky. Yeah. You know, but when, these, when the lightning in the bottle starts to flicker and go dim, do you have the tools to stoke it? Or understand what's happened to it. Um, and that's the relationship education. Um, it's just knowing and, and communication. Just knowing the tools. Like, do you know yourself well enough? Do you know when you're mad? Do you know yeah. when you're happy? Yeah. Do you know when you're jealous? Do you know when you're insecure? Do you know why you are these things when you are these things? Like, I'm so anal and nerdy. Like, I'll, I'll wake up and just be in a mood. And then around 10, 30 or 11, I'll just kind of stop when I'm driving and be like, it's like, I don't mean I'll stop the car. I'm mean, stop <laughs> thinking like, why am I in this funky mood? And I'll sit there and my hamsters in my head will go back and be like, you'll hear this like, and like typing and stuff. And they'll be like, oh yeah, you had that one email from so-and-so that you didn't really like the, the tone of it. And then, you know, you had this thought about what if you try to skate and your heels are still hurt. <laughs> and you just kind of felt funky. And then you ate some food that didn't really get you that juice and your tummy kind of hurts. And all of that together just made you feel like you just like in a funk. And I'm like, 
Damn, that's it. Okay. Email. Let me let me look at the, let me right. let me settle the email. Let me identify the skating. Like it may or may not happen, but it's not going to ruin my day today. I'm not skating either way today. And the food, I'll get through that. And then I'm like, oh. Right. But how many of us just get moved and don't even realize what happened to no, cause that move? No, I mean it's definitely a learning process. Of you know, my experience with my premenopause situations like my moods change and it's not easy right you know but i'm like hey listen like to myself i wake up and i'm like oh i don't feel good like all right well i can either lay here and moan or i can get my ass up and go to the gym and probably feel a lot better right uh so it's a choice it's not an easy choice because i don't want to get out of bed at 6 a.m and go to the gym but I really do want to feel better. Right. And that's that would be the equivalent of <clears throat> asking yourself, am I hungry? What have I eaten today? Damn, I haven't really eaten any fruit or any vegetables. I didn't drink no water. Right. Oh, that would explain why I feel like this. Right. Let me go get some water and eat some food. That was the basic, like, actually the basic first step in me learning how to monitor my moods it was a thing when we were first together right. like i could go all day not eating and then get really upset and like tion had to teach me like all right before you get upset you need to actually eat right and then if you feel like you're still upset then you can be upset right and but more than half the time you're no longer upset it was just the sugar low sugar low hangry you just weren't giving your body your mind your spirit what you need so now imagine the food like that, and then we're listening to some shitty music that's just not giving us any positive messages, and then we're hanging around people that don't have any much positive energy or positive conversation, or we can't talk about nothing real, so it's just like surface junk food. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, on, on top of all that, we don't have any mentors telling us that, yo, our diet is one of the most important things that's fucking us up. Our mental, spiritual, and energetic diet. So, how do we, what are our references? How are we gauging why things are happening? And then we go to, we go home to our husband, wife, girlfriend, whatever, and we flash on them and they flash back. We flash back. And next thing you know, we just let that settle because we don't have the tools to discuss that. We just let it ride and hope that doesn't happen again. But over a period of five, 10 years, it happens all the time. So now we have this very triggering groove that whenever someone wants to talk about X, Y, and Z, it puts us in this mood and yeah. neither of us like it. So we just try to avoid that conversation. Yeah. And then that, that space that you can't go to eventually gets bigger and bigger because as you go on, you have less energy and desire to deal with anything deep or heavy. Yeah. And next thing you know, you have this sliver of common ground you guys have and it's not enough to feed both of you guys. But yet you guys have committed to a structure or a template that fit you five, 10 years ago when you guys had a wider range of things you could do and say and talk to each other about. Yeah. And then the relationship is malnourished and unfed and you wonder why it's not working or it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, no, I mean- Or why you don't get your booty licked. Oh. Something like that. You know, just you know, things like, you know, but I digress. Mm-hmm. You know. So relationship education. I think it's super important. Yeah. What school are we going to? I don't know. I mean, I, it's pretty shocking that we don't get it. Yeah. And ask yourself, again, 
where do we get it today as grown adults? Where do you get it? Yeah. I, you know, um, our son, I was talking to him the other day and he has his first official girlfriend. And he was telling me, just tell, talking to me, you know, which is a shock, right? He's almost 16 and he's there talking to me about it. Right. And he's like, yeah, no, you know, her parents are not like you. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, what does that mean? Define not like right. you. Well, you know, oh, no, he said verbatim, her relationship with her parents are not like my relationship with you. Right. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, they don't talk, like, she doesn't see her dad much, and mom's pretty uninvolved, and, you know, she pretty much comes and goes and does her own thing. Right. So that, to me, was, like, awesome. He understands the value of our relationship. Right. He knows what, like, he by, by seeing how other people relate to their parents and what they receive from their parents, he can tell that there is value in what he has. Right. So he, he's enjoying and appreciating yeah. the open relationship that our family has. Meaning right. that he can come and talk to you. And it wasn't even like, you know, I didn't jump all. in to grill him on it. Right. We were literally, he was doing the dishes I once in the kitchen. And right. he just started talking about her. And right. I'm like, okay. and I didn't jump on him like, you know, do you guys have sex? How do you use protection? No, I'm like, well, I'll let him talk about her and see what comes out. Right. And it was great. Yeah. And that's, you know, so fortunately we're seeing the benefits of being able to um, help these youth future rockers like our oldest daughter, Erin, and soon Deja. Um, now they're getting into the age where they're living out yeah. The things that they learned that they've seen from our relationship and the relationships around us, um, the same way we did ours, and we're going to see that it's, you know, if they're con- they're, they can identify when they want to talk and not feel like, I can't talk about these things. Right. Um, so that's his education. Right. And, you know, like, we're, I'm very conscious about it. I've been very conscious about it, raising a daughter. You know, you have to be conscious. What do I, what do I teach her? Right. And now, you know, raising him, that's a whole other set of what do we teach him? Right. Uh, so that's that. I definitely look at it as education. Yeah. You know, our stepson, unfortunately, you know, we talked about it today. Our role in his life was not as prominent. Right. Although we've been around for many more years than his parents right. were around. It, it came later. Yeah. Um, you know, because we all know by the first... You know, by the time you're seven or ten, your core roots are pretty much. Yeah, he was planted. nine when he was introduced to my family, and by nine, it's a lot of damage had been done. Right, like a lot to where a lot of the traumas, a lot of the yeah. Yeah, this, it's almost twenty is, years later, and he's just now unpacking it. Right, and that's and so this goes into like what we where we all want to build upon is like. Um, we will all have a very hard time keeping up with ourselves if we don't check in and first do inventory. Like a lot of us don't start doing inventory until they're in their late 40s or whatever. Well, until there's a crisis. Or until, well, then the crisis, they do it just long enough to get out of the damn crisis. So 
Hopefully they go, once they get a crisis, they go deep and go and clean out that closet. So at least they know where it is. They ain't got to deal with everything. Like we all have fears we aren't ready to fully deal with, but at least we know where they are and how they affect our lives. Um, It's very, very dangerous to not want to unpack it and not be aware of what our fears are, why they're there and how they'll affect our lives. We just, we just run from them. um, And that's it. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate for myself, probably insane to many people, like you're talking about, that's just too much work. I've been on this for a long time and consciously since like 11th grade in high school. So like I'm 5150 when it comes to this relationship stuff. And that's why it's, you know, that's why I was really compelled to start talking about it and speaking on it and having a podcast about it. Um, Not because I think I am all-knowing or I'm better it's just I've spent probably way more time thinking about it and thinking about it myself the same way I have friends who are amazing at producing or art or at farming or at community service that have spent way more time doing that than I do so in that case I go to them as my mentor and that's the interdependence but literally you're not a good farmer probably not the best farmer (laughs) (laughs) Probably not the best farmer. All right. Half time on that note. Half time. The Black Russian Podcast. Episode 20. Post Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go into Bujubantan not listening. Because some folks aren't listening yet to our podcast. Yeah, but millions of you people. They may not even know, but still... <laughs> They're still not listening. And there's some of our folks, I'm getting close to you. Some of y'all folks is hearing us, but y'all ain't listening. So you hearing us? I, I see you. But is you listening? So that's what the song is about. Buju Bantan is like, yo, they're not listening. So tune in. We'll be back. Listen up, because I should say this only once. Lord God, you're my ear. They're not listening still Perhaps they never will Till all that they work for and care for Is slowly gone I hear many voices loud and clear The greatest of learner must do less Talking at times Did you wear the mindset Flattering lips are a marker. Did you ever pay no attention to idle chatter? The man who talks the most, I, I, the man, the man who loves to boast. Those who be like Tilbira and go from coast to coast. Were oh, the night shrug the light, the angel take over. Chase them with lightning, those who swear by thy power. At the sound of thunder, false witness take over. They cannot stand in thy place, nor look in thy face. Oh no, oh no, 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 oh no. Now they're not listening still. Perhaps they never will. Till all that they love and they care for. Slowly gone, I hear men 
many voices loud and clear. The greatest of learners must do less talking at times. Blessed Lord, Savior divine. Oh, now help I to seal these lips of mine. All right, let I not cause an offense. Gosh, sweet is the sound of silence when thy mind is at peace. All right. Back in Black Russian Podcast, episode 20, we went and loaded ourselves with snacks, crunching <laughs> and, and jerping. Um, my snacks were healthy. My snacks were kind of healthy, but I got some no-mood, dairy-free, sugar-free ice cream. Sugar-free? It's just Yeah, it's only gavave. Gavave. Yeah. Agave. Gavave. Agave. 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 <laughs> and some bananas and a little bit of Pete's coffee sprinkled in so I could finish them strong. Yeah, and she got to watch Richard Sherman. She's a Seahawks fan. He know them damn pistachios <laughs> from his commercials. She ain't had a lick of pistachio before they saw them damn commercials and now it's just all pistachios in the Bay, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they should ban those. No, I know. But, yeah, so we're going to finish up this episode strong. Wait, we should all eat Skittles. Yeah, well... I don't know if even Marshawn's eating much Skittles anymore. You don't think so? No, he got to score more. He only gets Skittles when you eat. He doesn't. <laughs> touchdowns. When Raiders need more Skittles, eat more touchdowns, more Skittles. But yeah, so we get into the next episode. You know, next episode, damn it. Uh, the next phase of this podcast right here. Um, we we're all marveled up. We saw Thor Ragnarok. It was great. I watched it twice. Um, so far. So far. I will see it a few more times. The timing and cadence is dope. Um, Washington Humans, not as dope. At all. Kind of lackluster, but I'll give Marvel a pass. Um, and Punisher is on and is out. And we watched episode one and it's already making us feel a whole lot better. Right. <laughs> about things. So, like, okay, they yeah. didn't just destroy their franchise. No, and then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comes on December 1st, so we're good to go. We're charged up. We got all the reason in the world to do this podcast. We're going to finish up, watch Punisher, episode something, at least one, and keep it moving. So, yes, episode 20. We've done 20 episodes, each of them probably averaging about an hour and a half. Some are way longer. Um, I'd say our average now is closer to two hours. Two? Yeah. Um, and we're here, and it's been amazing. We started kind of as like, let's just, I don't know, let's just do it. Um, and now it feels like it's something that we should be doing we love doing um we love the feedback we love the fact that this is providing a space um for many people that we care about and many people that we didn't know um so well it started out with us talking to our friends and realizing that we provide space individually and together to talk about very serious very sensitive things that it's really hard to talk to other people about. Right. And, you know, my guess is, you know, on your end, you're just a nerd, and that's all you want ever want to talk <laughs> about. So anyone that comes close to you, that's kind of a given that that's where it's going to go. You know, with me, I just love asking questions about people, and I'm very. it's really hard to get a negative open reaction from me. Right. When someone says something shocking, 
I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, how could you? Right. You know, so I think that that's between two of us and, you know, with different styles, the result is always is that people just like to come over and talk. I mean, Tion always jokes that, you know, he can bring a friend that he's known for 10 years and leave them in the kitchen with me for 30 minutes. And I'll know more about that friend in certain ways that, yeah. you know, because I'll, I'll just ask questions. Different questions. And the, the core of this all is we love rich and engaged, intimate conversations about real stuff. We don't like shallow, idle chatter. We, you know, not too much. So we look to build. We look to connect. We look to engage you know, if we're gonna have a, if we're gonna be laughing, we're gonna be laughing like on some deep, funny, like deeply, right. like from the from the belly, belly, right. big Buddha laughs. So if we're gonna go, we're gonna have a debate. It's gonna be a deep debate about something that makes some sense. And I just, mean, I'm an introvert. You know. I don't like spending time with people. So when I spend time with people, I'd like for it to stimulate my own, right. you know, my intellect, my my um, emotional self, and make me feel good. Yeah, and just like socializing does not make me feel so good. Uh, and it's always fascinating what happens when you start asking questions or just really providing space. Yeah, I mean, even people like people that I never ever think, a, I have no intention of getting, you right. know, into any sort of intimate conversations with, nor do I think they want to. And you spend some time and. Like you give one little tiny opening and the whole thing comes right. out. And lo and behold. Right. And, you know, and, and, you know, we started, you know, the intro was about our marriage being a non-monogamous relationship of 14 years with, you know, normal house, kids, everything like that to kind of show that there are other ways to have relationships. And that was the intro. And then it just took a life on it of its own from there. And it kind of feels like it's very parallel to how when I first started rapping and people were like, oh, graffiti and skateboarding and rapping, like, wow, like I don't, and I started realizing, like, wow, maybe there's room for what I have to say as an MC. And this is the same thing. It's like podcasting, like there's a gazillion podcasts. There's gotta be people that talk about all this type of stuff. And then we realize as we listen to it, like they do, but not like us, not who we are. Right. No one can speak about this from our, our perspective because we are us. Um, and we're we're a pretty unique, diverse, wacky duo that come from different places and have came here to a similar place for many different reasons. And um, we figured out how to make it work, even though we're very different. So we're last night we realized that, or was it this morning? Tian and I realized that neither one of us would sell each other. Yeah. She asked me how much I'd sell her for, and I was like, man, like I don't, I mean. I don't even know how to quantify that. Like, it's like, what, what, what could I buy? Like, what is, and you know, it's just, it's just rough. But yeah. that's a good sign. Yeah, no, that's and then sign, I came so. to the same. I mean, it took me about, you know, thirty seconds of thinking. All right, so I have a lot of money, and I don't have tea on. Hmm. Right. What do I do? That's not fun. Well, it's a different kind of schnookus. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna go into a little bit of like what we've learned. From 20 episodes of doing the Black Russian podcast for, I mean, initially, who knew who would be listening? Well, I've learned that I love my accent. Right. 
She's that's learned important. That she, all right. She learned that she loves her accent and she loves talking publicly, which is, yes. <laughs> you know, she definitely loves that. It definitely changed the whole, my whole attitude about speaking to people. Right. Like even speaking to people on the street. Like I could never speak to a person on the street. Now I can totally speak. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. Imagine if I ever start singing. Yeah. You learn that if you're sick and you have a headache, that giving your husband oral sex may help that. <laughs> no, I've always knew that. Oh, okay. Like that, that, that didn't. Okay. That you, should the, didn't you should let the ladies yeah, know. Yeah, that podcast didn't change. Let the ladies know. Yeah, so, okay, ladies. I know, I've known for a long time that it makes me feel better if I have a headache or I wake up and I feel whack. I'm like, I could go down on him and feel much better and make him happy. Yes. And that's how, and then I go to the gym. Right. And so there's always this, honey, I have a headache stereotype. Oh, oh, Tion rolls his eyes when I have a headache. Oh, no, well, no, if you have a headache, again. I know, I know I'm better. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's talking about it in reverse. And it makes yeah. sense because if you're sick and you're low energy, love making, giving, generating actually brings more energy into the cipher yep i love it because i it makes me feel better and it make i i'm making him happy right and that and if both parties are feeling that way then we're looking to contribute and generate energy to each other yep. as opposed to being like i'm sorry i don't feel good so i can't give anything i'm taking all for myself versus <laughs> let me invest in this because we can generate more if we contribute to each other versus the latter. Yeah, no, if I'm really sick and I can't move, then I just lay there. Right, <laughs> right. But she's like, honey, I'm not feeling too good. If you want to go ahead and do what you want to do to me, if you look at porn, <laughs> if you look at any porn in the middle of the night, you can just go ahead and you know handle me. So that's one thing that I guess she knew, but it became a, a, a renewed revelation. Um, and now it's public knowledge. Now, See, well, there yeah, you go. Now it's public of, knowledge. Yeah. Along, I mean, we, we learned that um, CBD oils can be great anal lube. Yeah. We learned that. I mean, on a hunch. But I, no, not on a hunch. Because I was looking at some, I was looking for something. Right. And, and you stumbled upon that. I stumbled upon, it's a whole, like, it's big in the gay community. Right. I think they're talking about suppositories, though, but it's the, well, whole, it's have, the whole energy. Yeah, of it, I don't yeah. know what. Yeah, I don't know exactly yeah. how that works. I, I've seen them for sale. Oh, I thought you were like I've seen them. No, in, no, in I've seen these them. things. I've seen, I've seen them for sale. Right. Uh, yeah, and it's a big like the whole uh, cannabis gels, I guess, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, salves. You use for those. It's, yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that's cool, but that is not the most important part I that we've learned. I bet you guys were not expecting that part. But, <laughs> but it goes into this other part, the size of that too. Um, one thing that I learned is this podcast is not as much about sex and non-monogamy as I would have or other people would have assumed or still assumed that it's about. We well, don't, it's not yeah. as much about having sex and having sex with other people. Well, no, and what I've learned is that uh, I relate very strongly to the woman that wrote that one piece on 
why her marriage is open while they're not seeing other people. Right. Like, I relate to that hugely. I, you know, I, that's how I feel. You know, so to me, it's not about sex. It's about having the freedom to do what I need to do and to talk and be open about it. Mm -hmm. You know, so our whole, like, because we didn't do it right or I didn't do it right, we didn't do it fully in the open, uh, and then I created major trauma for myself. You know, like, we're working towards relearning good habits. Right while healing the trauma and all that good stuff. Right. But we never, ever, ever thought of closing no. the relationship or revoking freedom nope. of choice or decision. Um, yeah. So, and that's the deeper meaning. I mean, we kind of knew, I mean, no, our relationship isn't about having sex with other people. It's, it's about being able to be who we are, how we are. Um, and the first big obvious barrier <clears throat> That's usually the, the defining factor of where people decide to be open in dialogue or closed is sexuality. Right. So because yeah. that's the most sensitive, but that's you know. Right. Either we love we can it, talk about we it, we love it to death, or we you're scandalized by it. And that's what you know. That's what Perel is talking about. It's like we don't have nuanced language about sexuality. It's either you know fantasy, complete derogatory, dirty, sexy type stuff, or it's condemned as just shameful. Shit, you should just, you know, keep in a dark closet somewhere. And only do it with your spouse. And only do it, yeah, and only with your spouse. It's like this dirty thing. <laughs> Those weird dichotomies. Like, there's no gray area any of this stuff. So yeah, so like, as Separel basically posted today that her mission in this work that she's doing is to normalize people's relationship with sex. Right. And take it out of the shadows of this whole either taboo or the dirty thing right. and bring it in and make it a normal, important aspect of our lives right. that's in the open. Yeah, because we, we have a very either or in our society when it comes to this thing. It's like sex is the most divine thing. It should be sacred and only kept between these two people. But these two people should never be able to talk about it. And God forbid someone's not pleasing them. They can't really do anything about these things. Right. Um, you know, and it's just like if it's so important, then why isn't it? Why is there a lot more time spent learning about it, educating each other, sharing, listening, learning yeah. each other? Why is it something you just got to ignore when only when you do it is when you should be dealing with it? And if it's not there, it's not the most important thing anyways. But yeah, you can't go get it anywhere else. Right. So and it's then like, it is it important naturally. or is it not important? Right. Like, you know, where that should go. Yep. And you don't have to put work into maintaining it. Right. It's always going to be there because if you love someone, then you're always going to be hard for them. Right. Love is enough. Yeah. It doesn't care about desire. It doesn't care about what you guys, the work you put into pleasing each other, to learning what is pleasing each other, to learn what parts outside of sex is making somebody feel good or not good or angry or res resentful towards you that may affect their desire to have sex with you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like all of this stuff stems. Like sex is just one of the most obvious roots that there's an there's a issue or can be an issue. It's one of the many ones, but it's, it's a good one. If your relationship is not having sex and you guys both just naturally don't like it, then it's probably a symptom to some other deeper things that are going on. I mean, on. The, the, if both people don't like it, then it's cool. Right, that's what I'm saying. That's fine. But right. usually, right. in the circumstances that we found, 
I have not found too many of the relationships that of our friends and people who are going through some struggles with things um, where both parties are happily just not having sex. It's usually yeah. one or the other is just feeling like they're not having enough or the type of it, or they just don't feel good enough in the relationship to want to engage in that that much. So you know what's cool? Like, uh, you know, when Dan Savage says that statistically, you know, most people, uh, there are more, so to speak, sexual deviants mm -hmm. than not. Right. So which means the non-sexual deviants, meaning people that only want to have missionary sex, right. are in the minority. Right. And the rest of us want to have some sort of variation of it. Right. Some so freaky, when some, we get some. together, how do we know? Right. And that would partially explain why people's sex life gets boring and dull and monotonous because we're all a lot more freaky than we let each other know. Right. I mean, this one episode of her podcast I listened to, you know, the woman wrote in, we're, we're not sexually compatible. Right. And in reality, it was like, no. You know, I mean, the woman, the wife thought that, hey, I'm just not into sex. Like, I just, I don't like it. And then right. she got older and matured more. She's like, oh, no, I like sex plenty. And I like very particular kinds of sex. Right. I just don't like having it with my husband because right. we only have this one type of sex. Right. But you go and communicate that. Right. And so there's where the conversation dies and that's where the assumption that women are just not as sexual as men and men are just wild beasts or who, are, who are wildly controlled by sex and they only have one small area where they're in control of their faculties and that's during the refractory period. Yeah, that was that's the most insane pucky statement. Ducky. Right. Yeah, that's what Ezra says. If you think women are not as sexual as men, give them their freedom of choice and space and, a, and some cars, some keys to the, some, some keys to the car. Yep. And see how sexual they are. They are not. Yeah, but communicating that is not easy. Yep. Yeah. So you know, I also feel like. You know, the podcast, we always get surprised. Like, we, I still think no one listens to it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like no one listens to it other than a couple of our friends that actually report back every single time. Right. But then there's people popping up. Oh, right. you know, listen to your podcast. Oh, it's been holding me down. Right. Oh, and I'm like, huh, maybe people are listening. Yeah. You know, and then since we uh, started talking about the whole relationship nutritionist thing, right? You know, and through that whole process, uh, you know, like out of uh, out of the blue, our friends that we wouldn't even consider as having any problems, right? Uh, started coming to us. Yeah, and it's and it's crazy because. We just started really manifesting consciously out to the world that we're we're looking to be in this space where we can provide this um, space of relationship, nutrition, and dialogue for couples. That these people popped up because they didn't know about us talking about nope. this publicly. It just it just happened. So it goes into just like if you're feeling something and you're feeling you should do something, you should really do it or at least look into it because yeah. you never know what energy is waiting for you and, and who's waiting to be helped by what you have to offer. Yeah. So I really feel 
that we're creating this community of people yeah. that do want to talk to us about and learn, you know, as we're learning. Right. You know, it's, uh, I think, putting ourselves out there as people that, A, can talk openly about what we're doing and what we're going through, uh, and then what we're learning, because we're such nerds, like we're both driven by desire to learn. Right. Uh, and then sharing it provides a really important tool. Yeah. So it creates this community of people that want to talk, want to learn, and feel comfortable that they can do it with us. Yeah. And At that, I really feel. I mean, I don't know if there is, you know, 50 listeners or 100 or right. 20, but I, who cares? You know, that's more than yeah. we can reach one-on-one. And uh, I, I really feel it. Yeah, and it, ha- it seems to have a purpose that transcends the people who are specifically listening now. And I'm learning about it because I'm really into this other podcast called Crime and Sports. I'm going to give them a shout out. Um, If you're into the combination of comedy, crime, and professional sports, it's an amazing podcast. And I stumbled upon it. And I think by the time I stumbled upon it, they were on episode like 80 something. I listened to 80 and I listened to like 76. I just kind of hopped around and then I got really into it and then went back to one. And I've been going from one all the way up to like 40 something now. And so... You know, when we make these podcasts, like we're making them linear, but you can really catch on at any time and go back as listen to either of them or as many as you want. Um, and they'll always be here as we take care of our our, our server and hosts well. to make sure that we're paying the bills so that way. Um, but it's these type of things. We do this for not just now. We do this for later on. We do it for the person who hasn't even um, heard of us and they'll go back and discover and something in episode seven. Right. Be that one thing that resonates and helps them change the trajectory of their relationships or, or just feeling about what they're dealing with, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, just basically, you know, being the mentors that we all should have. Yeah, we all should have and we all should be. Yeah. Um, and, and, and also helps, like, you know, it's definitely helped us through our stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because... We went through our crazy hard time and transition two years ago, over two years ago now, like yeah. almost two and a half. But that doesn't mean that everything has been smooth since then. Right. It's and been it's been our own form of therapy. It's giving giving us a space and an obligation to each other to openly talk about things that are resonating with us, things about relationships, things that we've gone through. We, you know, this podcast doesn't allow us to just sweep difficult times that we've had under the rug. We unearth them so we can share them, um, so we can be um, relating to people who are going through things now that we go through and have gone through and will go through again because one thing that can... No, we're not going to go through it again. No. One thing that can get... Um, out of context or out of whack is that because we are now we have this relationship podcast and we are we have so many years into this that we're immune that we've already figured it out where we've clicked save and we're considered a success and it's over but not realizing like we we're talking about through this whole podcast is like it's all maintenance all the time no it's work every freaking day like yeah. the other day you know we had a quick chat on whatever you know we talk through the day obviously not shocking right 
And, you know, we totally easily chatted through something that a year ago, two years ago, would have turned into a big deal. Right. And, you know, when, like, after our five-minute easy-peasy chat, I'm like, yay, good job. We actually, right. this was really cool We're how we did progress. it. We're making progress. We're better at fighting to not fight. Well, we're, we're yeah. further on too, which is and not, another note. But. Not using the passive aggra- aggressive right. energy. It's like, you know, if I'm sensitive, I'll come out and be like, uh, I'm sensitive. Right. And that's it. And leave it at that. Not like, uh, I'm sensitive and, uh, you know, right. I really don't like it when you do this and it makes me feel that way. I'm like, right. no, it's just, I'm, I'm sensitive. Right. And it's just amazing how when she can identify what she's feeling, where it's coming from, how much of it is due to me, how much of it is due to her, and then she can convey what she's feeling and why, I'm so much better at being able to be present and to hear what she's saying and be a part of the solution of helping, um, as opposed to either A, feeling like it's all me and I get defensive, or we just don't know, so it takes us hours to figure it out. Um, and if we both can do that for each other, then there's less of this Indiana Jones trying to um, unscramble the, the soul train board, you know, before the, before the song ends or the second. Like, it's important for us to be able to help each other in relationships to yeah. understand who we are. Like, But it's both of our responsibilities, not one. Like, right. if I get sensitive, it doesn't mean it's all his responsibility. It's my responsibility to convey it in a way that will not... Uh, make him feel defensive and it's his responsibility to contribute to me feeling more stable. Right. That's all it is. And if we successfully, like the times when we successfully uh, go through it, I I think that it's cool to apply the same theory that like our kids' elementary school applies to raising kids where when they do something good, they uh, pay attention to that. Yeah, we acknowledge it. We acknowledge it. We thank each other. We pay homage to right. it. Right. Gratitude. And, right. Like when Deja makes her bed, I make a make a point uh, to thank her. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you made your bed. Thank you. And chances are she's going to forget sure. the next day. Right. But then she's like, oh... There's Let a feeling me make that's the implanted. bed, yeah, because yeah, mom really likes it, and she's gonna tell me that. Yeah, there's a good feeling versus that's implanted yelling on her for not making her bed. Right, and that goes into you know teamwork part is when some one of the two of us are having an issue, or we we falter, or we stumble, or we fight. We have to make sure that we try to get to a space where it's our dilemma. It's not your problem or your fault. Blaming and pushing too far away doesn't create unity, which means you will not create an understanding, which means that may turn into resentment. Like right. you're keeping score and you you shot me, you know, you I've been I've messed up four times out of to your two. So therefore you have moral high ground and I don't and I resent the fact that just because I made these mistakes that now I don't feel I cannot have the freedom um, or say that you have. And that's a very dangerous, slippery slope that we can get into if we're coming from a place of tit for tat yeah, and shaming and blaming. Yeah, no. So, you know, that's us learning through doing this podcast. Or right. I think that us doing the podcast helps our learning. 
and helps us pay more attention to what we do in our relationship and how we learn. And then, you know, obviously we take everything that we read and listen to and talk to you guys about and talk about it as applicable to our relationship at nauseum. Right. And then we take it and apply it. Yeah, because all this, all this, all this stuff that we're talking about is universal. It can work for you. It can work for you. You, you works for us. It's because they're they're just core essence ideas. They're not specific things. Which yeah. you get to make them how you make them and shape the building how you shape it. It's just these are the core essences of trust, of honesty, of communication, of listening, of hearing. Um, being present in these things. How you apply them to your relationship, whether it's in a monogamous structure or non-monogamous structure or polygynous or polyandrous structure, that's up to you. Um, but, you know, if we have the, the we have the good roots and the ITAL fooding, fooding, <laughs> fooding and educating and nourishing and eating, ting, 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 tings, um, we're all good. And so, you know, speaking about this as it's pertaining to helping us is seemingly helping our community, which in return helps us. Yeah. Because they hear things that we say that we don't realize we're saying and can say it back to us in a way that helps us well, understand and, uh, as well. So this other part like that's really important to me and I'm I'm figuring it out now, that the more that the more open that we can all talk, the more I learn how different people uh, react in different situations, right? right? And how different people structure their relationships. Right. And then, you know, there are some that, you know, I currently am like, huh, I wonder how does it work when both, you know, the husband and wife have relationships outside and are open and uh, easy with that. Right. You know, because that's something that you know, I'm pondering. So I'm like, huh, so maybe I should talk to people that I know that have it. Right. And that will help me see if I'm just, if I just have a block or just my, my overall, you know, preferences are different. But I, you know, I now have a point of, a couple, you know, different points of references because we now can all talk about our relationships in right. our styles and it becomes a resource right. like it's as much of a resource to me as it is for anybody else right because if you don't talk about it you don't know what the other couple is doing right how would you know everyone's perceptions of what's going on versus reality can be very different because we put different fronts up um and this is like when i was talking to my grandmother and she was you know talking to me about you know how in to current times we have a hard time listening and communicating objectively. Like, let's just all share our opinions, put them all on the table, then we all get to take them home, and then we sift through them and we learn from ones we want and which ones we don't, we don't, but we don't feel like the minute someone says something right. that is sensitive or we disagree with that we have to jump on them as if they're trying to convince us that their way is the best way. Yeah. Um, well, that's also part of the whole instant gratification culture. Right. Because God forbid we're made we're made to feel uncomfortable. Right. That's a hard one. Right. Like that whole process of being made to feel uncomfortable is another one that needs to be taught. 
like the other day, uh, Deja was made to be feel uncomfortable, to feel uncomfortable <laughs> by something that Aaron told her. Right. About her habits of, you know, about her attachment to the iPad and blah, blah, blah. And she totally felt really, really bad. Right. And I sat there with her and we talked about feeling uncomfortable and what to do with it. Right. And how to get through it. Uh, but it's not a good feeling. And if we don't learn how to deal with it, we're going to want to do something instantly. Right. To make it go away. And usually it's attacking the person that just made you feel uncomfortable. Right. In reality, they just said their opinion. We took it as yeah, a sure. pain. As we, we made ourselves feel uncomfortable and shame. But really, if, and that's what we're, you know, we're learning. is like if we can all talk objectively and openly with each other, um, we can learn so much more from each other. And just we don't have to take everything like all in love them we can listen we can take we can learn and we can you know say thanks but in that space if we all can talk openly yeah. and we create the space where we're not judging or shaming or expecting to be shamed or judged yeah. then we can hear what people are really thinking and what yeah. they're really feeling um and that's where the, the but it's not a natural response no it's not what we're taught what we're trained who where's our mentors who's our yeah. mentors who yeah. we've been, been around so these yeah. all play a role yeah so that's, you know, I think looking back at our 19 episodes, uh, 20 now, we started a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. It's just that we've taken some breaks and things, but I think we're doing good. And I think this whole, like, the most important part is creating this community that is learning with us and is learning to trust to come with questions and for help and start uh, questioning maybe some things that they never thought to question. Right. And just have a dialogue. So that's, you know, that's really cool. And I think, like, to me, it's prepared me, like, learning how to communicate more directly uh, and calmly and openly definitely had prepared me to help uh our stepson with his current situation. Right. Uh, so there's lots of benefits. Lots and lots. And then, and then recently, you want to talk about your men's? Yeah. So speaking of creating space to have open, objective, non-judgment um, dialogue and space, I'm doing our first Black Russian podcast, Male Cypher, um, November 30th. And this is going to be a place where men can come together and listen and be heard listen yeah listen and be heard by their fellow brethren about these topics of male privilege sexuality um marriage trust infidelity um monogamy non-monogamy open closed all these things that a lot a lot of men can't talk about um, without feeling shame or being okay. judged or any of that, even within themselves. And the idea came, you know, very naturally. Yeah. Because, you know, like Tion can't shut up talking about it. So wherever he is, whether it's his business lunch or anywhere else, right. he will talk about <laughs> it. It pops I mean, up. Right. It pops up. And then as soon as it pops up, there is interest. Right. And, and a lot then, of these dudes like, what? Oh, dude. And all of a sudden... 
It's like they've been holding on right. this to talk about for so long, yes. and they haven't had a place to talk about it because when they've mentioned little things, people look at it like they were crazy, yes. or they were just not, it was not I inviting. Mean, it's, it's amazing what happens when you give a little opening and an indication that the space is available. Right. And it's non-judgmental, and we understand, and we're actually very curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I have been waiting to talk about this. Yes. And, you know, um, for the women who are listening, um, I'm trying to do my part to help create a bigger environment of conscious, open dialogue, open hearted men. So you guys have more to choose from, because what we learn, once the woman becomes more enlightened about open dialogue and stuff, they start questioning the confines of monogamy and non-monogamy and starts really looking at both of these objectively, but it's really hard for the woman to look at them objectively and want to start dating or start looking at other people when there's not a lot of men who already even have that conversation. Okay. No, um, I think, you know, I think that you, like this, will serve both parts of the community. Right. Because there's obviously men that are in specific situations that need help getting through them without blowing up their marriage. Right. Yeah. So you it's know, gonna. So like they need tools. They need the space to talk about it. They need resources. And then literally, a lot of the times, I'm sure they just need a lot of handholding. Yeah, and just need other need a, a community to just feel held, to feel supported. God, to feel, we had you know, one of our really close friends. That was a friend on business side and became personal friend. Just straight up cry to us. Yeah. Then he had not cried. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know when he's the last cry, but I would bet that it's probably been a long time or unless somebody's died. Yeah. Like that's usually men only give themselves permission to cry in times of death. Um, or a sports defeat. Yeah, that one kills me. <laughs> you know, um, but you know, not many other spaces. So this men's group will be a space for us to be able to do that and to have kind, non-machismo, non-judgmental conversations. And also, I want to leave, like, this is my, my secret. I don't want to say it to them in the beginning because macho oh, will wow. kick in. I want this to be able to be a space where they can be affectionate. And not just not physically affectionate solely, just affectionate. You know, men don't tell men they love each other enough. Men don't hug each other enough. Heterosexual men do not hug each other enough. Um, and so they harden. And when they harden, they get angry. They get cold. They get mad. Um, they feel alone, which fuels all these things. They're not getting the they're not getting the kinetic nutrients that we all need. Yeah. Um, and this is a powerful thing. So, you know, being able to like sit in a cipher with dudes and like holding each other's hand as we're as we're listening or building about something or sitting silently and just holding each other's hand, feeling the collective energy of this male compassion for um, females and the, their plight for collectively meditating on owning and learning to utilize male privilege. Yeah. And all these things like that, like we just don't do these things enough. Like it has no. to be a macho no. warrior pose. So it's a space where we can take off our armor yeah. and just really be ourselves and understand that that's, there's strength and empowerment in sensitivity and vulnerability. Um, so next episode, you will actually be reporting about that. 
I will oh, be recording be so about that. Cool. So it may be may just be me and one of my buddies talking to each other. No, or it may be a little at least group. Three of you guys there. But yeah, maybe I, a little trio. There'll be um, three or four. I bet you then might be five. Yeah, I feel good. I'm actually um concerned about it being too many, so I'm not promoting right. publicly right. where it, where it is because I don't want it to get too far out of hand to where we can't create a tight cipher yeah. with a concept and a moral code so that when new people come in, right. there's a collective of men making sure that right. the code is kept and it doesn't get on all this pissing right. party. That'll be awesome. Yeah, so that'll, that'll be, be awesome. awesome. November 30th, so by the time the first comes around, I will be able to report the back. Yay. And then uh, I actually have been planning ahead. Yeah. Shocking. Mm. I don't plan ahead unless I unless I really want to unless I really like I I plan I plan in the general way I don't plan like like the actual details but the next podcast will be about uh, financial relationships right or you know real separate relationships to finance within a marriage right and how does that affect relationships? How does that, you know, have a potential to ruin them just as much as anything else? Uh, and I think it'll be great. It's another, it, it, it actually is two sensitive areas that people don't like talking about. Right. It's finance and relationships. Right, yeah, exactly. So, so that com- makes it even worse. So it's like together. a... Yeah. Lump them together, mix it up. Yep. Shit show. And and just different types. I mean, there's, it's just as many types of you know uh, relationships that there are. There's more financial arrangements. Yeah, there's probably more obviously more financial arrangements. Diversity yeah. of that. Then there's diversity yeah. diversity of relationship styles, right? Yep. So it's gonna be kind of neat, and we'll be getting your guys's input and feedback of how you guys how your style of financial agreements work so we can really share and compare um, knowing that there's really no wrong way. It's whatever works for each each scenario. But just talking about it, like also, you know, finances, we'll talk about material finance, emotional finance, and spiritual finance. Well, just like we learned that you and I would not sell each other for, for currency. Right. So we're going to get into all this good stuff and keep it moving. Thank you guys for listening, um, learning from the podcast, Crime and Sports. If you're listening on iTunes, please go and rate us. Give us five stars. Tell us you were yes, told please. to do it. Tell us it's because you're scared of Eula. Um, I guess, as I've seen on this podcast, it brings you up yep. in the, the ranking. And all of a sudden, sponsors come out of the blue wanting to give you money. Because I'm assuming at some point this is going to start costing some money because we're kind of using up the bandwidth of the, the pod, podomatic places and we keep having to go into a different tier. Oh, uh, really? Spend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, oh. luckily we do it in our house. We don't have a studio. We're not um, doing 40 hours of research. We just, we talk, well, we're doing more because we just talk about it all the damn time. But, um, you know, and we don't want your money. That's why we don't have a Patreon page or a... Uh, a PayPal page for this site, but it's more if you guys can like it, if you can comment, if you can share, this would be great because maybe 50 episodes down the road we'll be in a studio and we'll have, you know, sponsors like Forager Products and blah, 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 boobity, 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 and we can just, you know, do this. 
and you shouldn't just start promoting road. a bunch of different companies and then send just them wishful links. thinking yeah <laughs> this is sponsored you by the ital treats no moo ice cream <laughs> for us lactose intolerant people who are trying to get away from sugar as much as we can <laughs> so yeah that's what it is right. episode 20 hope you enjoyed i'm sure you did it's time to get some punisher in um at least one episode eat some oranges and do the do uh, November it's 30th. the do the do that they want to know about. Do the do. Well, well, the do is whatever it is we do. Sometimes it's erotic comedy and the do just becomes <laughs> like a series of slipping, kind of whole position falling out. You know, kids calling about hamsters being too loud in the other room. And just the whole, I mean, just like, you know, sex and family is a funny thing. Like how to navigate that when you have kids and goofy stuff going on. You know? But they know enough to not just barge in. They nope. call. Like, yeah, they'll call. Yeah. No, you know they don't want to. They don't want to witness, you know, us in our, our native elements. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys. All right, Tiambu Kuwan. And Yula. Signing off. And forgot to do this part, but I'm gonna be a good boy as Yula's packing up. The song we're getting into is "Heart of a Lion" by Shaba Ranks. He that know the right and do it wrong shall be spanked with many stride. When the heathen are come, your children step wide. Even though they make mention of them and those, fire them will never be friend. Fire burn. You know why? You know why? Yes. Them of the heart of a pagan. Your children of the heart of a lion, I know. Evil and move with Satan. Righteous trod in the countenance of the Almighty One. Them of the heart of demons. Your children of the heart of a lion, I know. Evil and move with Satan. Righteous walk in the countenance of the Almighty One. Poor people see hostility rising daily. Ignorant multiply brutality. We I see that they run and left mommy. Fist struggle they are roll with five beginning. Oh, I see baby having baby. Nothing that happened now do not seem to amaze way. We know that is the fulfillment of prophecy. Oh, I see them no build school is church and they Church a church dead the penitentiary never empty. Still playing a mental trick on me. Listen, you check you and me, check me, and let's bring more love in the black community. Them are the heart of a pagan. The children of the heart of a lion, I know. Evil and move with Satan. Righteous walk in the countenance of the Almighty One. Them are the heart of demons. The children of the heart of a lion, I know. Evil and move with Satan. Righteous walk in the countenance of the Almighty One. Respect the father of the prophet Moses and Abraham. You have to respect the father of Jacob and Solomon, respect the creator of many nations. He made the birds, he made the bees, the fishes of the ocean, and fastened them to Gandam with his mighty. And he made the man, he make woman, children, the future of the land. So who is due to disrespect the creator, man? 72 nations.
Russian bow down and crown him conquering one. It would be beautiful in the sight of God, the holy one, to see the unification of my nation. No. Them of the heart of a pagan. Watch them. The children of the heart of a lion. I know. Evil a move with Satan. Righteous walk in the continents of the Almighty One. Them of the heart of demons. The children of the heart of a lion. I know. Evil a move with Satan. Righteous walk in the continents of the Almighty One. Poor people see hostility rising daily. Ignorant multiply brutality. We I see that the run gone left mommy to struggle the hard road with five picking me. Oh, I see baby having baby. Nothing that happened no do not seems to amaze me. We know that is the fulfillment of prophecy. Oh, I see them no build school is church and penitentiary. Church, church, dead, the penitentiary never empty. Still playing a mental trick on me. Believe me, them are the heart of a pagan. The children of the heart of a lion, I know. People are moved with Satan. Righteous Lord.